Today, actually, um, we are reading through the book of Acts, and as we've been reading through that, we've been uh, just experiencing what God did when he took ordinary people like you and I and started the church, and the Holy Spirit comes and just completely changes the world. And so as we were reading through Acts 12, I got to this passage that we're going to be reading today, and about five or six weeks ago as I was reading this, it's like the Lord's just like, I want Jacob to talk on this. And so um, we're going to have Jacob Hemingway, our worship director, come up. And yeah, give it up for him. The guy works hard. This is him. He's right there. And so we've been praying about this message and going through it. And everything that you hear today is pre-approved and ready to go. And I... I, I totally believe the Lord has something amazing for each one of us in this room. And what happens is, as you read God's word, it doesn't really matter what the word is because it speaks directly to each one of our hearts. As we open up our hearts, it's like, man, you can take the word of God and, and it could say something to somebody over here and something totally different to somebody over here. And so I just want to invite you guys, let's just open up our hearts and just say, God, whatever it is that you want to say to us today, we are available, we are open, we want to hear. And then what I'd love to do is let's just bless Jacob as he brings God's word today. Would you do that? I love uh, just putting our hands forward. It's kind of fun, just like a sign of like, we want to bless him. So let's just pray over this man. God, thank you so much for Jacob. Thank you for his heart to say yes uh, continuously at this church, continuously um, to move back to the Quad Cities, to say yes to uh, the things that you've invited them in and saying yes to um, just speaking today. So Lord, we just pray, Holy Spirit, fill him up from his head to his toes with your presence, with your power. Would his, uh, would his words just come across really loud and clear? And God, we just open our hearts up to just say, we wanna hear from you. That's why we gathered today. We're not here to be entertained. We're not here to... Um, we're not here for anything else, Lord. We want to hear from you, each one of us. And so, Lord, we just open up our hearts and our minds. And we just say, Holy Spirit, speak. Use Jacob in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jacob Hemingway, give it up for him. Good morning. You guys doing okay? Okay, great. Those jokes were amazing. Mmm. Yeah, so hey, this morning uh, we're going to be talking about, we're going to focus on the phrase, don't stay where you are. We're going to talk about being stuck this morning. And I'd like to uh, start off with a story. Uh, I was in my first band ever with some classmates uh, from a private school I went to for like 10 years. We were a band from the summer after fourth grade all the way through ninth grade. Talk about being stuck. Just kidding. Uh, it was an awesome experience. Learned so much. It was great. One day after school in sixth grade, I think, around that time, we had a band practice at Nate's house. And uh, Nate's mom told us, she's like, I'm leaving. You guys can't go anywhere as long as I'm gone. Stay in the house. No one can come over. Stay here. Because we totally behaved all the time. And it was really weird she said that anyways. But um, so we practiced. And then we were just like playing video games or something afterwards. And uh, while we were there, a couple of our classmates show up, knocking on the windows, pulling on the door handles, 
Like, you can't come in. We can't let you in. They found the spare key to the house, got themselves inside, and uh, then uh, everyone just decided, hey, let's all hang out, and let's go down to the park. And uh, so everyone left, but I stayed. I stayed at the house. And uh, that's right. When uh, Mrs. Shaw got home, I just totally called her out and Nate, um, she, uh, uh, she was great, but she was super perplexed. She's like, where is everybody? You know, I was like, I went to the park. This next part I'll remember for the rest of my life. She's like, Jacob, I am so proud of you for staying. Then I said, well, actually, I just couldn't find my shoes, so I couldn't go anywhere. I was stuck. Have you ever been stuck somewhere before? This morning, we're going to read through Acts 12, 1 through 11. We're going to come across a Peter who is very stuck. Before we dive in, I'm going to pray real quick. God, thank you so much for this morning, and thank you that you just, you blow our minds every single week with the fact that you just tie everything in together. We don't always know what you're doing, Lord, but we, we trust that you do. And we just thank you so much for your presence, for being here. We really just want to hear from you this morning. Lord, would you give me the right words to say, help me get out of the way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Yeah. Let's start with Acts 12, 1. Let's start reading. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this was met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. So let's just kind of like take a, a snapshot of that moment. It's got to be such a hard time for the church, for the disciples. James is one of the first original 12 apostles along with Peter. So this has got to be a really hard time for Peter. Um, King Herod is just kind of wreaking havoc. And um, James is put to death with the sword. So uh, this isn't the first recorded martyr uh, of Stephen, but this is the first recorded apostle that was martyred. So um, you've got um, Peter and James there. Can you relate to losing someone really close to you? So let's remember where we were last week. Uh, we were in Acts 11. Peter received a vision from God, calling him to extend the invite of the gospel to people from every nation, not just the Jews. Peter had to step out of his comfort zone and follow the Holy Spirit instead of just relying on like tradition or this is what we usually do or whatever. So instead of seeking approval from man, he had to operate from God's approval already over his life. In Acts 12, we see King Herod doing the exact opposite. He's uh, self-seeking. He's got his own, like, uh, self-conceived popularity contest. He sees that what he's doing is going over well with um, the, the, the leaders at the time. Yeah, so he wasn't operating from some place of, like, oh, this is, like, what I should be doing um, internally with God. It was just, like, what's going to make me more popular? So let's keep reading in verse 4, verse, verses 4 and 5. After arresting him, talking about Peter, 
He put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. What an amazing picture, you know, going through a really hard time, and you have people who are staying up late praying for you when you don't necessarily have the answers know what's going on. It's a beautiful picture. But we see Peter thrown right into this confusing mix. Isn't it so common that, like, when we start to step into the things that God has for us in our lives, we're just immediately met with just crazy opposition, seemingly from, like, every side. Last week, we talked about how Peter was being pressed by people in the church, like, hey, I don't know why you're making the decisions that you are, talking to nonbelievers and Gentiles. And last week, we talked about how the Holy Spirit was there in that moment where Peter could give one explanation, and it brought unity to everyone. Everyone came together in agreement on that. Now we're talking about people outside of the church, people who don't have a point of reference, people who don't have a context, coming and attacking Peter and, and the apostles and disciples, arresting and... Um, you can imagine, it's just got to be just a completely different realm. You can't really explain where you're coming from from people who don't want to hear at all or they don't want to, you know, know where you're coming from. So let's remember that throughout this whole scene that Peter, um, it, he's not some, you know, new guy fresh on the scene. He's seen some things. He was with Jesus the whole time that Jesus was doing his ministry on earth. And so He's seen all sorts of situations. We know that sometimes he can be um, either a little hot-headed or quick to the draw. Um, But he's had some really interesting things um, that are probably running through his mind at this time. He was there when John the Baptist was imprisoned, and John the Baptist had sent some of his disciples to ask Jesus, hey, is this part of your will for my life? You know, what's going on? Why am I in prison? And Jesus' response to that, Uh, is this. He said, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news to preach to them, and Peter, uh, sorry, and blesses the one who is not offended by me. So we have a Peter who's usually kind of like jumping the gun, what do I need to do? This isn't right. So maybe being in a situation right now where, oh man, I've seen this before. This is, uh, I knew I was called into this. I knew there was going to be rough times ahead with sharing the gospel and being in ministry. So he might have been sitting there just kind of mulling over, you know, maybe this is my time. This is, this is what I've been called to do. I was, you know, called to be here, called to be in this jail cell. Have you ever felt like life is just not fair? Like, God, I'm doing all these amazing things for you. I'm pursuing good things, and I'm trying to make good decisions. And then all you're just met with is, is confrontation and, and disappointment, things not moving forward like the way that they should in our minds. Peter just had a huge win reconciling the Jews and the Gentiles to worship Jesus together in the church, and now he's sitting in a jail cell because uh, King Herod put him there. So he's kind of sitting in defeat. Isn't it hard to ask God to do something about your situation when you've already seen it played out in someone else's life? 
I know how this goes. I've seen it before. Um, I don't really see any other option. And so he'd seen that with John the Baptist, and he literally now just saw it with James, his, one of his closest friends. So just imagine sitting in that. So he probably walked into that jail cell with a certain set of expectations for what was going to happen. Let's go ahead and read Acts 12, 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound by two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. So we have two soldiers at either side of Peter and two at the door, and you got three more sets of soldiers at the ready to keep watch. So we have Peter sitting in that cell, chained between the two guards. Let's say that those two chains represent disappointment and the fear for tomorrow. Disappointment that maybe he could have done more for the kingdom, more in his ministry for the church. Maybe fear of what was going to happen to him. Uh, Is the ministry still going to move forward even though I'm not a part of it? I was supposed to be a foundational part of this, of, of, you know, being the rock of the church, you know. So his identity is probably being questioned, and he probably has so much fear and anxiety about um, what is the next step. Do you ever feel chained to life circumstances? Let's keep reading. Verse 7. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off of Peter's wrists. Whoa, that's not expected. It's so, it, let's look at Peter for just a second where he was. He was fast asleep in that jail cell. And it's a lot like when Jonah was called by God, sent to Nineveh uh, to go and preach um, what God put on his heart. And he said, nope. And he went the other direction. And he got on the boat. And then a storm came. And what it says is that when the storm was raging, Jonah was just tucked away in there fast asleep. So the sleep that we're talking about is a sleep that's like, I don't even want to deal with this. I don't even want to know. I just want to sleep this off. Like, if I could just stay in bed all the time, that would be great. Because I don't have any solutions. I don't have any answers. So that's the the kind of sleep that we're talking about. And so it says that a light shone from the angel coming in. You know when, like, you're going up, someone flicks on the lights, and it's like, you wake up to that? Just imagine that that light is like one of those 2,000 lumen cannons that you're like having a bonfire at night. And someone's like, check this out. I'm going to light up the moon. Pretty bright. Those things are pretty cool. So just blindingly bright in there. And that still doesn't wake Peter up. So it says that he struck him on on the side and it woke him up. Uh, (laughs) I like to picture that either one or two things happened. Either the angel had like a Gandalf-like staff and gave him like a good thwack to the ribcage. Or he just went full MMA style and gave him a heavenly right cross. (laughs) Sorry, it's just too funny for me. I can't even say it without laughing. That joke was for me. It felt great. Either, Either way, I feel like it's a little rude to hit someone while they're down. But I'm not God. But what a powerful moment. All the angel did 
was invite Peter to stand up, and the chains fell off of his wrists. Peter's familiar with moments like this, like in Acts 3, when they're walking past the, the lame beggar, and he says to him, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. We are constantly reminded in the book of Acts that healing and breakthrough are very simple. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, all we have to do is address the situations just very simply. Rise up, walk, stand up in Jesus' name. It's literally that simple. It definitely takes faith to pray for healing. Like that's it's pretty intimidating. But then in the story, like in Acts 3, when Peter's with the lame, the lame beggar, he not only just prays for him, but also goes, also, I'm going to reach down and grab your hand and pull you up. Like, you're standing up now. Like, that's some faith. Did you know that you can have that kind of faith? It's not just for, like, when you feel like you got superpowers because you're wearing flannel. You're hyped up on coffee or apple cider or amazing donuts. It's not like being on staff at a church, like, oh, that, this is for them. No, it's like every single person, if you're in the kingdom, like, this is a free gift from Jesus. We can pray simple prayers in his name, and we can experience breakthrough. Let's keep reading. Verse 8. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought that he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches, from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. So this story is like super Lord of the Rings, at least to me. Like, put on the ring, we're going to sneak past the guards. And I was thinking, Peter. Peter Jackson? Joke was for you three. And myself. Thank you. I'm sorry to the rest of you. It's totally worth it. Let's look at Peter thinking that this whole time that this experience was just a vision, right? He might have been thinking to himself like, whoa, had I known that this was actually happening, I would have never done that. Like, hey, go and get up. Uh, you see all these 16 guards in here that like literally are tasked with one job is watching you? Yeah, we're just going to like walk past them. Like, that's pretty crazy, right? God wants to bring that same confidence to each and every one of us. That we can walk in those steps, step by step, with the Lord. Earlier this year, we dove into the book of Nehemiah. It's totally awesome. Loved it. In the beginning of the story, Nehemiah's heart broke for Jerusalem. The walls were torn down. It was just chaos. There was no sense of direction. Uh, the temple was 
was just exposed. He was in a distant land in captivity, but God put a fire in his heart to see the walls in the city of Jerusalem restored. Do you remember what happened when the king, uh, as he was, he was the cupbearer, so he was presenting the cup to the king. Do you remember when the king was like, what's troubling you? Nehemiah seized up in fear. The vision that God had put in his heart was so big. It was scary to him. He didn't know if he could share it, you know, for so many reasons. Now he's being confronted um, by needing to share it with the king of a completely different nation. But it was God's plan all along, and the king ended up providing everything that Nehemiah needed for the wall, for Jerusalem, people. In this story in Acts 12, the angel gave Peter one step at a time. I think we can really learn from that. God, what is that next step that you have for me? Not the 20-year, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and this is going to happen, this person's totally going to do this. We just get one step at a time a lot of times. And really, I think it's because God loves to protect his children. If we got too big of a picture, it might be so overwhelming, we might not even do it. So he's just so good to us. The other part is, isn't it amazing that we get to like be a part of each other's process as we hear from the Lord, as we move forward? God, what do you have for me in my life? Like, oh, what's God saying to you in your life? We get to be a part of each other's lives. That's a huge reason why we love community groups. It's such an intentional way for us to get together and live out the verses that we say at the beginning of every service, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together, some of them are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's just such a practical way for us to do that. We'd love to connect with you on it. We'd love to see each and every one of your faces there. And so you could talk to people uh, over in the corner there about community groups afterwards, our guest central. Pray for each other. We get to know what, what's going on in each other's lives. So maybe this morning you're walking in and you're feeling chained to disappointment, fear for tomorrow, disappointment about decisions that you've made in the past, life circumstances that have happened to you that you haven't been able to do anything about, so much so you can't even see your future. You can't have like a, a hope for, I can't even move forward, I don't even, I'm just stuck. Maybe you're stuck with uh, fear or anxiety about what could happen next. Will people stick around? Will I be accepted? Does God even have a plan for my future? I think this is a moment where as a church we can really gather together and just, just receive that truth that we don't have to stay there chained even if people around us want us to be. Even if it just seems like that's the circumstances, I don't have enough strength to get out of this. I think we can really rally together and just receive from the Lord this morning. So whether this hits home with you or not, I would love for all of us as a church just to stand together. And we're just going to go ahead and pray that the God would just invade our hearts. And maybe, maybe God's putting someone on your heart too that you know this is just gonna, it's really hitting home with them. Let's just think about them as well. If you want, we love, if you just want to put your hands out and right in front of you, sometimes we say it's like you're receiving a gift. Just have, having faith that we can receive that gift from the Holy Spirit. 
God, thank you so much. You're the gift. You're the one who's in the fire. God, maybe our circumstances look a certain way. And we've been looking for a light at the end of the tunnel. But God, the light, you're bringing it right now into our situations. That light is you, Jesus. We invite you, invite your spirit to be here. To fill our hearts. To break off these chains of disappointment or fear or worry about what's going to happen. Just as we say, we're not slaves to our sin anymore, God. The disappointment is gone in Jesus' name. We can be right where we are with you, Lord, and not have to worry about a thing. And that fear for tomorrow... Maybe you're walking in and it's just like, you're just trying to sleep it off. Just want to declare over you that, that, that escapism, that, that fear that's trapping you down, it no longer has a hold on you in Jesus' name. So God, would you release that? Instead of it being like Jonah hiding away in the middle of the storm, just trying to completely avoid it, Lord, that you would give us such a rest and a peace in our storms that we could be like Jesus on the boat with the disciples, that we could just have enough faith to be able to rest during the storm. And thank you that when we wake up, we can have the strength and the faith to have simple prayers. Peace. Be still, storm. In Jesus' name. Thank you that you're re rewiring our brains right now. And we don't have to worry. You've got this. I'd love to invite you. Maybe you walked in this morning, you know that there's something in your life that's missing and you've been trying to figure out, how do I shake off this disappointment? I just can't, I'm, just, I'm trying to move past it. It's just stuck. I just can't even, I can't even think about tomorrow. I just want to encourage you that the piece that you're missing is Jesus. So in this moment, if you just want to receive Jesus simply, just by saying, yes, Jesus, just that simple first yes, you're so welcome to do that. And God's going to fill in all the pieces as you move forward. But maybe that's your next step. Love to invite you in this moment. Would you just raise your hands if you just want to say yes to Jesus? Yes, Jesus, come in my heart. Amen. Let's pray. God, we just surrender to you. We're not going to try and figure it out on our own. 
we don't necessarily know what's, what the circumstances are supposed to look like or the plans that people have for us. But we're going to trust that you have a plan for us. And it's so big, it is so bright. And it's so personal that you want to just flood our lives with your light, Lord, even if people around us can't see it. You just want your children to know right now they're so loved. So we just receive your love this morning. I thank you for everything that you've done and everything that you're doing. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.